Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that has no shortage of gas. It's like seven times straight over me. I'm not aware of current affairs. What's okay. that about? There's, there's the I'll gas... leave it in. Just tell me. Right. <laughs> there's a gas shortage going on. I witnessed a bit of a GMTV interview this morning and I had no context around it. This has just made that make sense. So thank you. Okay, great. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. Got a little bit of controversial real news, and our main review is The Green Knight. Let's play Guess That Film. Yes, I told you that I would give it to you when you least expected it. Well, I'm sure you were least expecting it at the start of the podcast before we've done any general chit-chat. I'm not prepared. I want you to get this. I'll be really happy if you get this. I will give you one positive review and one negative review from IMDb from a film that I'm fairly certain that you've seen. You can have five lifelines, either in the form of a question that you can ask, or you can ask for some hints that I've pre-prepared. Positive review. Far ahead of its time and still rocks. 10 out of 10. Revisited the 148 minutes restored version recently. The special effects, set designs, the futuristic cityscape with the skyscrapers, the aerial roads, the catacombs, the cathedral, Rotvang's house, the long stairs, the rooftops, the scary dynamic, dynamic, demonic statues, etc. Man, this movie still amazes me, and I'm in awe of this movie. Indeed, it is the granddaddy and mother of all science fiction movies. The chase and fight scene on the roof of the cathedral, I can just imagine the tension it must have created in the minds of audiences all those years back. The hallucination scene where the machine is the temple of Moloch and the workers are being fed to it, creepy enough. The false Maria and the whore of Babylon riding on the back of a many-headed dragon is wonderfully done. What the chips, right? Okay. Negative review. I feel like, sorry, there's so many clues in that. There are so many clues, unless this is a crazy person who is writing their interpretation of what this film is. I've said all those years instead of the number of years, but I might put that back in if you're struggling. Outdated, one out of ten, negative review. The movie is best described as pathetic. It may be good when people had nothing else, but not today. Not even after sound appeared in films. I wonder what the film is doing so high up in the ratings when it was a galactic effort to even sit through it. This film is a complete waste of time. Ever since dialogues appeared in the films, there is not a single film that is considered good without good dialogues. Take any of the top films, even in the IMDb top 250 list, there is not a single film that has won its place with run-of-the-mill dialogues, and this one is without sound. Today's audience wants a story, strong dialogue, good action and effects, good acting and effects. The acting is stiff and out of fashion in this film. The excessive use of expressions to make up for lack of sound may be understandable back then, but today it just looks a bit too funny. My recommendation, don't watch it, exclamation mark. Daniel, what is that film? I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. <laughs> There's no sound in the film. Yeah. 
let me let me reinsert the years that are referenced. This is from the positive view. The chase and fight scene on the roof of the cathedral, I can just imagine the tension it must have created on audiences' minds 94 years back. Are you taking the mic? What are you doing to me here? 94 years? Yep, but I think you've seen this. (gasps) I haven't, but I think I know what it is. Is this a Fritz Lang film? Yes. Yes! It's Metropolis. Exactly right. Well done. Which I have never seen. Brilliant. I'm really well, happy I'm, with that. I'm, I'm very happy with that as well. And you can see my, my hands are up. I did no Googling then, did I? Nope. I, I, I feel like an absolute living legend after that. I don't know how I did it. but um, <laughs> Thanks. I'm saying thanks. That was tight, that. Metropolis, 1920s. Come on. Well, I don't think it's tight because you, you, you got it and I, I had faith you get it widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential films ever made daniel what have you been watching this week (laughs) yeah we can't we can't transition seamlessly from that i've been watching my usual type of stuff but it's a bit more light-hearted this week so first off brand new more or less to disney plus is only murders in the building it's got murder in the title so your marketing's work for me straight away i don't need anything else sold I guess it's it's about a trio of residents in a New York apartment complex and the true crime podcast aficionados. So kindred spirits, one might say with myself. Anyway, whilst waiting for the next episode of their favourite podcast to drop, a murder or a moider happens in the building and they, through the shared interest of all things true crime, decide to band together and uncover the mystery of this man's death. Um, and they develop their own podcast on the case. And they are a bunch of completely clueless, out-of-the-depth individuals, and it's from that that a lot of the situational comedy arises. So it's worth saying, if that wasn't clear enough, this isn't the dark and gritty murder thriller that I usually sniff out. It, it's more fluffy, light-hearted, as I said before, and it's a lot more comedic than it is bloody. And to me, it's all the better for it because it's nice to have a balance of light and dark at times. And it is a weird one, this, because I think if the, if there weren't an F-bomb dropped here and there, this would be perfectly non-offensive family fodder, I think. But instead, it is, it's like a higher quality, ever so slightly more adult Nancy Drew the trio are played by Martin Short, Steve Martin, and the ever-watchable, and I am obsessed with her, Selena Gomez. And it's really fun to see these actors together, some of which I thought were dead. And here they are on screen together in 2021. And it just shows that studios can take a chance on these things because they, this books the trend of only casting younger actors in leading roles. Obviously, they're, they're not completely stupid. And that's why Selena Gomez is in it. But I really like that it's not an entirely youth-led cast and it feels a bit different dynamically. As for Selena Gomez, she can really act... I, I didn't doubt that. I've watched her music videos enough times to know that she she constantly captures my attention within three minutes. So I, I, I didn't need convincing. But she really holds her own with what are considered Hollywood legends, so good on her. Speaking of them being legends, Martin Short and Steve Martin, there's a slightly meta bit of background to both their characters in this. So Steve Martin is a has-been actor who was in a detective show back in the 80s and 90s And Martin Short is a washed-up theatre director who hasn't had a job in years. So it does make you wonder if they're commenting on their own status within the industry to a degree. That might be 
not fair to say because I, I just don't recall them doing anything in recent years. That, that's part of the reason I thought they were dead. Another reason why I think it's purposeful that that's in there is Steve Martin writes this as well. Now, I, I'm not a Steve Martin fan. I don't dislike him. It just wasn't in my era. I didn't grow up with him. I wasn't there for his golden years. I just suffered through the tail end of his career where he starred in poorly reviewed comedies, like Cheaper by the Dozen. But I'm chuffed for him because he's, he's made a comeback and, you know, he's been absent for quite a while and this has been a huge success for him. I just found it, along with its characters, to be very charming and watchable and I'm really enjoying it. I will say it's getting a ridiculous amount of praise. I'm not on that level with it. It's very good. I don't understand that. Oh my God, it's a masterpiece because it's it's not. It's just very well. 100% produced. on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. So I'd give it an 85. Only murders in the building. Exactly. Right. Disney Plus. Yeah. Which is factually inaccurate because there's also residents in the building. No, that's that a reference to, he says, there's a murder in the park. And Steve Martin says, we're going to investigate only murders in the building. It's embarrassing when somebody has not seen it. I have seen it, though. I have seen it. I'm up to date. Oh, right. On Disney Plus. What do you think? I'm enjoying it as well. I agree with all your points. I've actually physically lolled at some parts of it. All Martin Short's lines. So I'm enjoying it as well. Get to the back of the stage. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. Do you find Selena Gomez's voice slightly... Croaky? Abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit. Cr- I don't know if that's just the character. It's. It sounds. She sounds like someone who's just got up. Good but I've good. never. I've never seen Selena Gomez speak. I've never seen a Selena Gomez film, so I don't know if that's just her voice. I think it is, but it's. I'm not that familiar with her from an acting standpoint. But she is good, regardless. What else have you been watching? Oh, raised by wolves. No wolf. Just yeah. wolf with yeah. an e. Uh, this is a brand new Sky original series, and it's a nice, brisk six-parter that's 45 minutes a pop, so you can fly through it. It's about Professor Wolf Kinte, who heads up a criminal forensic team in Manchester. The format of this is each episode, we get a brand new dead body, and there's a self-contained investigation into the crime, which is always solved by the 45-minute mark. It does aim to be more than just disposable TV, though. There is a narrative through line relating to Wolf's marriage deteriorating, his mental health struggles, and a subplot involving a re-examination of one of his old cases that could bring everything crashing down around him. I think this, probably more than Only Murders in the Building, it wants to be labelled as a black comedy, but it is more fun than it is funny because... Some of it's a bit over the top. It's trying to be slightly cartoonish, I would say. A number of the crimes and the investigations are absurd. I think the first episode is the guys getting mangled in a meat grinder, which, you know, isn't out the realms of possibility, but they're trying to take it to the next level in terms of these deaths and them being extreme. So I suppose in summary, it's like CSI, but with a sense of humour about it. Babus Cisse plays the title character Wolf, and he's a very charismatic lead i have never seen him in anything before there's many layers to his characters he's not just a we've seen it before eccentric maverick professor he's also suffering from bipolar disorder and he is the best thing about this he is a revelation to me he just commands your attention every time he's on screen and it's just a delight to watch i want to see him in more stuff and i want to see a second series because of him 
The surrounding cast are all really good too, and it's nice to hear a good mix of Northern accents on primetime TV that isn't just Coronation Street. For me, I've been looking for something like this for quite a while now because it, it's dark, but not overwhelmingly so. It has its light moments. It has characters you care about, but not too much. It's engaging, but doesn't demand too much from me from a concentration point of view. And despite the subject matter, it's confusingly quite a pleasant and calming thing to watch. That might be specific to me. I just found it very easygoing. In some respects, it reminds me of how I used to feel about Jonathan Creek, which I loved. Another reason to watch it, for some at least, it was created by Paul Abbott, who is responsible for bringing us classics such as Cracker, Shameless, State of Play, which was a TV series which was very, very good before it was a film with Russell Crowe, and the criminally underwatched and now cancelled No Offence that heard on Channel 4, which I'd say is very similar in tone to this. Lovely title theme music too, which led me to discover Grace Vandervall. It's like a rehash of Johnny Nash's I Can See Clearly Now song, and I've listened to it repeatedly ever since. So that's Wolf on Now TV. This might seem like a stupid question, but is it visibly set in Manchester? Do you see familiar sites in Manchester? Yes, there is reference to Deansgate. It shows some of, if you're familiar with Manchester, you will recognise parts of Deansgate. And it doesn't go for like landmark stuff, but you can just, like I say, if you've been to Manchester, you will recognise. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can tell. That's all I've been watching. But James, what about you? First up, The North Water on the BBC, which is a drama in the mid-19th century about whalers going north to hunt fish, seals and whale, hopefully. Colin Farrell and Stephen Graham are in it. It's based on a book, and even though I'm not familiar with the book, I got the feeling that it was bringing a lot of well-researched detail and authenticity to life. The life on a whaling ship is brutal, and that really comes across. It's very dirty, and you get to hear the creaking of the ship, and you see the, the cold, and they're out on the ice hunting these seals. The journey quickly turns sour. There's injury and death and murder. And things become quite perilous as they go further north into the dangerous frozen sea. And you get to see how these men on the ship react in, in the worst circumstances that a human being can be in. Stephen Graham is excellent in it. I love Stephen Graham. And Colin Farrell is unrecognisable under his greasy long hair and beard. He seems quite large in it as well. And he plays a disgusting, awful human being throughout. And he's excellent. It's only five episodes, and they're all available on BBC Player. It's gripping, very well made. The journey that they go on is worth watching. Every episode, something happens. And with it only being five episodes, you feel the excitement all the way through. Please watch it. That sounds very good. Colin Farrell just, I think he wants to shake that sex symbol status too much, doesn't he? He's obviously unrecognisable in this, and then soon to be unrecognisable again as the penguin in The Batman. And Stephen Graham, his agent's amazing. That man is in everything at the minute, and I'm yet to know of anything that he's been in that's been bad. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just British stuff, because he was in The Irishman as well. What else have you been watching? Squid Game on Netflix. This is a battle royale-type drama. People are kidnapped slash volunteer to be in a series of games. People die in each game. 
And the last man standing, or woman, gets all the prize money, which builds up after each game, after each person dies. It's also Korean. Like many programs of this type, it's really commenting on society and how we behave towards each other. It teaches you lessons about life. I've watched all of it, and I was thoroughly entertained. It's set on an island, and the complex that they're in has this pastel-coloured playground theme to it in the first game that's in the trailer which is red light green light it's a huge cute doll that turns around and watches them and all the staff they all wear red jumpsuits with masks so it all looks interesting the games are brutal there is brutal violence in it people make tough choices no character is morally protected everyone has to make difficult choices There is one element that makes this more interesting to watch, which is set up after the second episode. So minor spoiler, but I think it's really important to point out, but skip 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. A policeman infiltrates the staff running the game. So you see the opposite perspective that you don't normally see. And you see him sneaking around trying to figure out what's going on, which is really fun. I watched it the weekend it came out and it's reached the top 10 in the UK since then, which I'm happy about because it is really good. It's clever and brutal, a little bit predictable, but very much worth watching. Given Netflix's latest financial results and saying they've lost viewership and things like that, maybe you are the reason it's in the top 10. I did want to ask you one thing about this. I don't know where I saw it, but uh, something popped up on my phone. I have a Google News feed, and it was an article from The Independent, and it said about this program, Netflix users urge others to watch new disturbing but interesting series is it just the violence that is disturbing or is it some of the plot developments if that makes sense it's not just the violence it's the choices that people have to make so there are some non-violent games well there are only six games in the whole thing there are one or two non-violent games which is more about the choices that people have to make your review would have coax me to watch it anywhere but just uh, someone else saying the word disturbing i'm drawn further in so yeah very good i will check that out not sure about the word in there disturbing but interesting something can be disturbing and interesting it can be interesting because it's disturbing you're not wrong you are not wrong there you go it's just people who write for the independent i guess bloody commies bloody <laughs> fascists i'm not sure which which were the independent <laughs> Go. I'll look it up. Well, as I say, that was just something that I read in the news. There'll never be a better chance to get a new segue because you were just talking about the news, but we we couldn't we couldn't make it. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. James, it seems as though this podcast, not just this podcast, but you specifically have influence because mere weeks after you said that the latest Star Wars trilogy was not very good, and I'm being polite there, I think you were a lot more strongly worded than that, the original Star Wars editor, Marsha Lucas, has thought, do you know what, James is right, I'm going to come out of the woodwork and I'm going to back him up. And she has done so, and she's made some rather scathing comments about the latest trilogy. So I don't want to quote the whole thing, but in summary, I'll quote from the Digital Spy article. Marsha, an Oscar-winning editor who served on Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and The Empire Strikes Back, has slammed Disney's approach to the latest trilogy, calling the storylines terrible and claiming that Lucasfilm has no clue about the series. She made these comments 
in a book, in an upcoming book. It wasn't inspired by you. It's just, it's just a matter of timing. Sorry, I feel like I built fine. you up there. It's fine. That's what you and anyway, she's in this book. She began saying that she always liked Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, but she believes she doesn't get Star Wars. To quote her specifically, I like Kathleen, always liked her. She was full of beans. She was really smart and really bright. Now that she's running Lucasfilm and making movies, it seems to me that Kathy Kennedy and J.J. Abrams don't have a clue about Star Wars. They just don't get it. She also goes on to say that she was furious that they made the decision to kill off Han Solo in The Force Awakens because there was absolutely, positively, no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, she just then goes on to reiterate the same message, basically saying they just don't know what they're doing. The storylines are terrible, just terrible, awful. Do you feel vindicated again, James? Yes, vindication, I think. I already knew about this, and it's been deduced that she probably made these comments after seeing The Last Jedi, but before seeing Rise of Skywalker. But it is interesting interesting that in the fallout from the last jedi the idea of a toxic fandom became quite prominent and critics of the last jedi were labeled as as toxic and now years later you have this influential respected woman coming out who doesn't do many interviews as i understand it saying what a lot of toxic that's in air quotes toxic people were saying that she she didn't like the films either and it's just her opinion. It's not saying that that's now the correct opinion. Maybe an unpopular opinion, but just because it's unpopular doesn't mean that somebody's wrong, does it? Any news from you this week? Have you heard of a in-development reality TV show called The Activist? I have not. Please tell me more. I hadn't either. This came to my attention via a BBC News article about Priyanka Chopra being sorry for her role in the reality show. The Activist was a challenge show for people involved in health, education and environmental issues to win a place at the G20 summit. And it was brutally criticised online by people on Twitter, including Jamila Jamil. I'm not sure who that is, but she says, couldn't they just give the money it's going to take to pay this unbelievably expensive talent and make this show directly to the activist causes themselves? Good point. And Naomi Klein great author said i'm confused is this an advanced marxist critique to expose how competition for money and attention pits activists against each other and undermines deep change or just the end of the world i think that's a good take that's the correct take that they were going to have a competition where the contestant comes up and has to say here's why you should let me speak at the g20 summit about education and they do a pitch and would, would they then like make a present a PowerPoint presentation about it to these judges? And the judges would dramatically give comments about it. I mean, yeah, I this, like I like this... climate change, but health is really important. He really sung about health very convincingly. Yeah, it's very poorly conceived, this, I think. You can't have so many conflicting things and, and somebody make a call on what is most important. That that's just oh wow. I, I tell you what though, I want to see it. Yeah, I do want to see, see it. it. <laughs> just to see how far down the shithole it goes basically yeah yeah uh, and it'll be a moment where you watch it and think we are in the end times is this made for the bbc sorry this isn't made for the bbc fox let me guess fox it's from us tv network cbs and has, has this story completely quashed it is it now not coming out 
it's actually not clear from the article. So the article is about Priyanka Chopra apologizing and she's pulled out of it, basically. She was moved by the power of your voices over the past week and she decided to stop it. But then the statements from the networks and the producers say the format of the show, as announced, distracts from the vital work these activists do. The statement ends with them saying, we hope that by showcasing their work, we will inspire more people to become more involved in these pressing issues. So it does sound like it's still going to go ahead. Well, I'll be tuning in just out of morbid curiosity. Same, same. wonder if climate change will get the golden buzzer if it exists in this show's format. Last one, Disney is giving Jessica Rabbit, iconic Jessica Rabbit, a modern update that is in quote, relevant to today's culture. Can you imagine what this is going to look like? I can not only imagine what it's going to look like, I could write you what all the opinion pieces are going to be. And I can write you the reactions to the first wave of opinion pieces and predict what the YouTube video is going to be. This is the most predictable series of events. Go on, go on. What else does it say? Uh, There's not much more to this article, but... It just, I think we're on the same page. I understand why there's problematic elements to her character, but she's, people have come to love that character. It's iconic for a reason. People know it for a reason. And it's just going to basically do away with all that and say, forget you ever saw that. This is now Jessica Rabbit done. And then probably erase Who Framed Roger Rabbit from the back catalogue. And make you feel guilty for ever liking the original Jessica Rabbit as she appeared. Exactly. Or masturbating to her. Just to give a bit more context around this, according to the Times, Jessica Rabbit will be transformed into a female detective tasked with cleaning up a weasel crime wave in 1940s Los Angeles. To give you a bit of an indication as to what the character is likely to look like, very, very different. Soon, those purple gloves and the glittering slinky dress will be replaced with something akin to what Bob Hoskins' original character in the movie wore, giving Jessica a role that Disney has described as more relevant to today's culture. Guess what? I don't want to watch it. I'm not bothered. Yeah, well, like I said, I can already imagine the reactions and the reactions to the reactions. Yeah, likewise. Just getting very predictable at this point. Well, from predictable to unpredictable, what does it either of us think of this week's main review hello i'd like to order an opinion please this film is new fresh point of view Hold me sit back this is a fact we in the hours here are some hours thoughts in sync tell you what to think i'll listen to you but please don't rap again this week's main review is the green knight tell me a tale of yourself so that i might know thee Yet. You have none to tell yet. The Green Knight is a classic tale that presents not the characters, but the audience with a difficult choice. Leave the cinema, fall asleep in the cinema, or watch the film and be bored to death. Oh, you have shown your hand far too early. King Arthur's headstrong nephew embarks on a daring quest to confront the Green Knight, a mysterious giant who appears at Camelot, risking his head he sets off on an epic adventure to prove himself before his family and court. Daniel, what did you think of The Green Knight? I've been looking forward to this ever since I heard about it. A24 films, we have spoken about them as a studio probably more so than any other in recent months, and I think that's for very good reason. They're not afraid to gamble on projects, and because of that, 
it feels as though they're one of the more refreshing studios. They're bringing out more interesting and original content as of late. And that's just, it's a breath of fresh air from the onslaught of superhero films and franchise sequels and so on. Anyway, following its release in the US, initially it was just five stars and 100% ratings across the board. So that was that was going to get me excited. I was already looking forward to it. But despite my anticipation, a few weeks later, I was I was coming into this with some heavy reservations because I'd heard people describe it as boring and a bit of a snooze fest, as you've just alluded to. And off the back of that, I was expecting much like I did with Pig, but I was wrong last week. Bit of an art house film that's a tad too pretentious for its own good, and it comes off as being extremely inaccessible to the vast majority of people. But now it's here, so I can finally make my own mind up. And does it live up to that hype? Kind of. Kind of. Uh, It probably won't make my top five films of the year. My admiration for the boldness of the filmmakers and the jaw-dropping visuals far outweighs my actual enjoyment of the film, if that makes sense. And a lot of that is because the, the story is pretty basic. So you've got Dev Patel wanting to prove his worth to King Arthur. He agrees to take part in a challenge with this menacing tree-looking bloke. And that sends him off on a journey of self-discovery and multiple run-ins or side quests with a host of mysterious people across his travels. And with me saying it's about self-discovery, the story arc is there, but I don't feel as though there's a huge insight into him as a person or much development of his character. It's quite one-dimensional and a bit too straightforward, I think. And there was an opportunity there to flesh out that a bit more and add some complexity to his motivations. Why, why is he wanting to fulfil this challenge? It's not, it's not a slight on Dev Patel, by any way. He's, he's more than solid in this, but I just think there could have been more from that perspective. That aside, I will say it did surprise me in how linear the narrative is. It's, it's a fairly conventionally told story, if you take away the chapter titles and whatnot. And I was of the impression that this was going to be anything but that. So that was quite nice. I, w- I was expecting to find this irritating. I will say as well, I don't agree that it's slow. It wasn't for me. There was always something happening in each scene. I didn't feel bored at any point. And it, as I've said, it's not as abstract or inaccessible as I first feared. Quite the opposite. It, it does have a very ambiguous ending, though, which you might not be pleased with. We'll speak about it later. Minor spoiler, probably isn't one if you've seen the trailer, which I haven't seen. Take out the entrance of the Green Knight character in the beginning and the casting of a spell. It's quite well grounded in reality up until the midway point. Then there's a sudden shift and it takes on a more nightmarish quality to it where you feel as though evil is surrounding Dev Patel wherever he goes and things go more fantasy based. And for me, that's when I think the film really starts to work. Because once it's down that track, it really starts elevating the visuals. And it already looks incredible before we get to that point. But for me, there is no denying it. This is the best looking film of the year so far. The the cinematography is incredible. And I don't want to rehash things that I've said in previous weeks, especially when they were a week ago. But, you know, the way in which characters are framed in shots, how the scenes are lit, it's bleak depressing yet gorgeous all at the same time you could rip hundreds of images from this film and put it in an art gallery i'm not exaggerating i thought some of it was genuinely breathtaking another thing that is without question is the most unconventional christmas film you're likely to see but that doesn't stop it being a thoroughly entertaining ride and more importantly an absolute 
visual feast. But it is not for everyone. James, what did thee make of these? You've put that very well. And the thing is, I don't disagree with a lot of the positive points that you've made, especially around the visuals. It is the best looking film of the year. With a small budget, it should be noted. This is a, a low budget film, which low, looks low. amazing and is, is a fully believable, epic medieval setting. So I agree with a lot of, a lot of the positive things that you said. It starts with a clear introduction of Dev Patel's character, Garwin. Garwin, I'm going to go with Garwin. I liked the stripped back, dark Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table set. King Arthur is old and there's a sense it's going to be about decay. The Green Knight's character design is haunting and beautiful. And the quest or challenge or game that Garwin has is perfectly set up. If only I'd walked out of the cinema after that first 30 minutes. I came out of the Green Knight feeling like it was not seeking to entertain, enlighten, amuse, shock, stun, provoke, educate, or even titillate. It's nothing. The word esoteric exists for this kind of thing. I've not read the 14th century poem that it's based on, and I would venture to say that the vast majority of the viewing public haven't either. And it seemed to me that in order to really appreciate this film, you need not only knowledge of the 14th century poem, but also Arthurian legend as a whole, the seven knightly virtues, Christianity versus paganism in England, among other things. And if you haven't read about all those things, then you're some kind of simpleton. There's two reviews from online review sites that I found. Guess that film. The people who give this movie a bad review were mad that they had to use their brains for once. The author of the negative reviews should probably stick to the Fast and Furious movies. I fully reject this idea that you're an idiot if a film doesn't make sense. But how many people do you know who can list the seven nightly virtues? And how many people do you know that even know the concept of seven nightly virtues exists? I've always maintained that if you cannot make a comprehensible film, that's on you. That is on you, David Lowry. Every shot, every line, every scene and action is open to interpretation. I listen to another podcast's review to try and make sense of things. And before every point, the host said, my interpretation of this scene was, if so much of it is open to interpretation, then doesn't all of it mean nothing? There was no character development. There was no meaningful connection between scenes. Every scene has the same dour tone. Good cinematography, set design, costumes and acting. Okay, I, I consider myself one of those simpletons, by the way. I, I don't know this time period or the lore or any of the King Arthur-based mythology. I, I don't. I'm aware of bits, elements. Excalibur, I know what that is. You know what I mean? Rent table, I know what that is. I think maybe I submissively went, I'm not interested in understanding the subtext behind this because I already had this preconceived notion of coming into this film and it rubbing me up the wrong way because it was going to be purposely vague and open to interpretation. So I just went, give me the high level facts. What's the basic concept here? Can I understand that? And I did. And that was enough for me. And I think because that was my expectation going in was that I'm going to walk out of this completely befuddled by what I've seen. And I wasn't. That's why I'm slightly more forgiving to it. I, I do agree with you that there are moments in this film where people go off on tangents and deliver dialogue that I could not make heads and the tails of. But 
it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the very basic plot of what he was doing. I think maybe we've come at it from different angles and I wasn't expecting it to be a big action epic, to be clear, because I think some reviews have said they were expecting it to be that from the trailer, which I don't think I have seen, but listeners will have heard some of by now. So I I was expecting it to be a bit slower and not an action epic, but what it felt like at times, it felt like it was based on a very short story, a very short poem that had almost no story that was stretched out over two and a half hours, which is not the case, but that's what it felt like. So there was that basic story, but it didn't seem to progress in any meaningful way for me, in my opinion. Yeah. And that, to be fair, I, I understand where you're coming from. I don't, I'm not like listening to what you've said and thinking you're chatting absolute nonsense, pal. It is one of those divisive films. It clearly is just if, if you look at the reviews that are out there, it is love it or hate it. And I think I think it boils down to I thought I was going to hate this given some of the more recent feedback that I've heard. And it's not without issue. I agree. On our, I think we both said it around character development. It simply isn't there. But for me, the visuals were enough for me to go, oh, wow, this is pretty depressing, but pretty. There's a really good YouTuber, a YouTube channel called Thomas Flight does analysis videos he did a video on the 360 shot in the forest remember the shot where dev patel is lying down and it goes right around the forest and there's a passage of time and it shows a possible outcome of the scenario he did a whole video about this shot and makes really good points that explains the themes of the film very well that it's about the passage of, of time and facing death something else that thomas flight says is that near the beginning we cut to a shot of a pendant around someone's neck, seemingly for no reason. I would say it's actually for no reason. There's actually no reason for that. I don't know if you know the bit I'm talking about. It's where they sat at the round table. It cuts the different characters around the round table. And then there's a shot of the close with this pendant. And then it cuts to Dev Patel. And it's like, oh, that must be significant. It's not. Now, if you know what that pendant, if you know what that shape is, and you know the history behind it, I'm sure it's very interesting. But there's no context or, or explanation or meaning for it within the film. Within mm. the film that you've made, that you're showing me, there's no meaning to it. And that, that was my problem with almost everything that was in it. The giants, the talking fox, it just didn't mean anything. Did you find this pretentious then, you would say? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I did think was a step too far, I didn't need the chapter titles. And there was a bit at the beginning where it flashes up and it's almost blink and you'll miss it. And I thought, hang on, I didn't even have a chance to read that. What are you talking about? A reenactment of such and such thing. But, and, and then the fact that there is one point where it says interlude or something. Did you see there was one title card that was completely unreadable? Yes. Was it the it, bit it, with Alicia Bacanda where it says uh, an exchange of, and I was like, what? Yeah. An exchange and it was like winning, 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 winning. That's <laughs> yeah. what it looked like. <laughs> I think it said winnings. I think I thought winnings as well, actually. Yeah. Before we go into spoilers, I think I've brought the tone down by being so negative. I think all the positives that you said, I I, I do agree with them about the, the technical side, the visual side. Superb. Yeah. It could have been tighter, by the way. I agree. I think that is a given. It didn't need to be this long. You don't have to be apologetic because I don't think you were apologizing, actually, but you know what I mean. You're trying to say, listen, it's not all doom and gloom. You're not on your own. We know that. I had two people walk out of the screening that I was in. So it is 100% admittedly a Marmite film yet again. It is I'm glad exact- that we've offered a balanced point of view. It is exactly 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think this is, I can't remember which film it was, but 
the last time we did a 50% film, we were split equally split on it. Before we go into spoilers, Daniel, would you recommend The Green Knight? Yes, but not for everyone. James, what about you? No, I would not recommend The Green Knight. Bruce Willis, real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. I think you've described the plot already very well. He goes on on a quest, knowing that he's going to go into this fight with the Green Knight, where the Green Knight will return the blow, which is a beheading. He's basically walking towards his own beheading. He meets the Green Knight, and Dev Patel runs away. Garwin runs away, and there's a quick sequence where he has a son. He gets married. He becomes king. Son dies in battle. Alicia Vikander gets binned off, marries another woman, and then Garwin's head falls off his shoulders. Cut back to back in the Green Knight's house and the Green Knight puts his finger across Garwin's throat and laughs and says, off with your head. End of film. Not quite. Do you not stay for the post-credit sequence? Oh, yeah. I I read about it. It's not worth saying for. It adds nothing in it, to be fair. And back on what you said before, it means nothing. You've, You've outlined what happened at the very end, but is ambiguous as to whether not whether he's dead but at which point i feel do you agree with that at which point when at which point did he pass on i don't know why i'm trying to be polite about a fictional character at which point did he die did he meet his fate when he met with the green knight as he was promised to do so on christmas day did he not flee the scene and was actually beheaded then or was he killed by infiltrators into his kingdom as is presented in what seems to be a dreamlike sequence. I don't know which one is fact. And the reason why I'm glad you brought up that 360 scene is because I found that really odd and it wasn't explained. I thought, hang on, they've done a 360 here. He's tied up. He can't move. And as we're going around 360, he's still in that posture, but now he's presented as a skeletal corpse. Or is that someone else? And I thought, oh, hang on. Did he actually just die here? And the rest is him imagining what his legacy would have been but if it was it was a pretty depressing one does that lean into what tom flight not tom flight whatever his name is did he say that or was that a completely different reading of what happened there he said that the scene or the shot of garwin as a skeletal corpse was just showing here's one outcome of what could have happened but then when the pan goes back in the opposite direction, it's showing a reversal of time and it's showing that, oh no, here's the choice that he did make. He did decide to live and, and continue. As right. for the ending, I just thought that it was a bit, a bit more straightforward that he imagined running away from the Green Knight. This is what his life would have been if he'd run away and the dishonour would catch up with him eventually. He kind of imagines that very, very quickly in his head and he, he snaps back to the current moment where he doesn't back away And the Green Knight realises that Garwin is accepting his death. He earns the Green Knight's respect. He keeps his honour. And the Green Knight says, okay, you can go off, as in leave, with your head still on your shoulders. I'm not going to cut your head off. Off you go. Quest complete. Um, Plus 1,000 XP. Okay. The biggest gaping plot hole for me, which I don't feel is in any way explained, is Dev Patel or Garwin's mother is seen to be the person who invokes this spell which conjures the Green Knight. Now, I did a bit of reading afterwards, not in depth. It was just on Wikipedia, but it apparently said, well, it didn't apparently said it definitely did. The intention was never to have the mother cast a spell. It's just the director was so impressed with her as an actress that he wrote that bit. But my question is, 
Why would she do that? Why would she do this? Why would she do this? I don't, I don't get it. Not explained. It's just not explained. In the source materials, Garwin's mother is presented as a witch in some interpretation. So there's that. I didn't know that what you've just said, that it wasn't even what it wasn't originally supposed to be the case, but the directors liked her and put the scenes in. Yeah. Right. So what we're talking about is that in the first 30 minutes when the Green Knight arrives into King Arthur's court, to his round table, it cuts away to Garwin's mother and these other witches blindfolding themselves and casting a spell. It doesn't seem like they've summoned the Green Knight, doesn't it? That's what I took from it, yeah. So to hear to have the director say that that wasn't even the case, they just like the actress, that says it all to me, that it didn't mean it's... anything. You don't see her again. You don't see her at the end of the film say, oh, well done for doing the quest. Mm. It was me all along. There's nothing like that. Some of the memorable things that happen now that we're in spoilers. Number one, Garwin comes across some giants, grey naked giants. Garwin immediately says, can I ride on your shoulders? And this giant naked woman reaches out. And I immediately thought of, there's, a, there's like a giant fetish that exists on, the, on in the world. Do you know that? I can well imagine because of the fetish yeah. for just about everything. But no, People that like fantasise about being dominated by giant women. I don't mean tall women, I mean giant women. Mm. So that was where my mind was going already in this film. She reaches out, Gowan recoils, doesn't get on the shoulders, and then that's the end of that scene, next scene. I know it's not literal. I'm accepting that it's not literal, but what was going on there? I have no answer for you. I really don't know. And I'm, I can't forgive it some of its really out there weirdness when it doesn't play into anything. But I, th I think, provided I'm correct in saying so, I don't think there's many more examples of a scene like that which has no relevance. So say, for example, the lady in the lake, is it St. Winifred or something? I can't yeah. remember her name. Yeah. It's a bit out of nowhere, but there is a purpose to that scene. It is for him to reclaim his axe, I think, was it, in yeah. the end? That is just, it serves no purpose. There's no punchline to that scene. There's no end game. So I can't stick up for it. Okay. Looked good, though. It did look good. It looked really good. I mean, there's, there's also a scene where he falls down a hill, looks at his hand, and his hand is mutating. And then it just, that's the end of that scene. Next. Oh, you you whittled me down. Sorry, I'm not I'm not trying to whittle I'm not trying to whittle you down because like I said, I, I agree with what you've said about it. If I had to give it a rating out of ten, I wouldn't give it one out of ten. Four or five. I mean, that's more generous than I thought you were gonna be actually. But the, the, the cinematography does count for a lot, let's be honest. I think we've reached the end of our quest this week. Should we leave it there? We shall do so before we embark on another journey next week as we go back into cinemas once again. We're really forking out for this podcast, me and you lately trips to cinema we're gonna watch bond finally i cannot wait so yes we'll be watching no time to die for next week's main review if you wish to get in contact with us please do so you can follow us at in the hours podcast on instagram you can leave us feedback by emailing us at in the hours podcast at gmail.com or you can do the right and honorable thing which the protagonist of this week's main review didn't really seem to do you kept well he definitely didn't it wasn't in the film world shut up leave us five star review and rating on itunes and help us to reach more people right until next week off with your head james ah. <laughs>